Lord, thank you for just the laughter and the joy that we get to have. Thank you that, that you love us so well. And Lord, we're even thankful as we think about the fact that, that we do have children downstairs and we need to figure out ways to make sure that, that things are working properly. What a joy, Lord. What a, what a, a great problem to have. And so, Lord, we, we just ask you continue to, to bless this church, bless the, the people in the church, and, and Lord, bless the community through this church. May they see Jesus. As we discuss uh, this idea of, of how we grow in you and how we uh, mature in Christ, I pray that it would be beneficial and that we, we would uh, just uh, find ourselves just more steadfast built upon the foundation of Christ after our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So we got through pretty much the first page, um, but we're going to go back to the second page here a little bit. I mean, we kind of hit on, hit on a little bit and talked about this idea of sanctification in the wide sense and sanctification in the narrow sense. So um, after you've had some time to, to think about it throughout the week, I'm sure that's all you thought about all week. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, uh-huh. Uh, any any revelations on what uh, this idea of sanctification might be? <clears throat> Got it all figured out. That's awesome. <laughs> so Harold had said last week he was, he'd always thought it was a process, but maybe that's not entirely accurate. Um, what are your thoughts on that after our study last week and thinking about it? Well, I mean, you look at the wide sense, the narrow sense, how they're just defined. Mm -hmm. The narrow sense basically says a process. He directs and empowers. Okay. Direction involved. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> I still think I still think that's right. I mean, and it's ongoing. Yeah, it's ongoing, and depending on where you are in your life, sure, things change. You view every verse of scripture differently too when you read them. Right. So, you know. so let me ask you this. Um, are you, as those in Christ, right now a child of God, or are you becoming a child of God? I am. Okay. So when we look at sanctification, we all would say that you know we're like we're born again right newborns what jesus said in john three sixteen, you must be born again so we're born anew we're a new creation in christ now if we're left as a child okay and paul addresses this extensively to the corinthian church and and he kind of hints at it to the galatian church he says quit being a child <laughs> he said you know grow up basically is what he's saying now, but when we talk about growing up and we talk about the process of sanctification, so God being the author um, of our lives and the Holy Spirit, he sees the trajectory of where we're going, right? He knows that it just like, so as a parent, you try to guide your kids, right? You, you try to do your best and, and um, I don't know, maybe some of you had great hopes and dreams for your kids and they said, no, thank you. I mean, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I, I used to say to our kids, we don't really care what you do. We just care that you love Jesus, right? That we, that's what we wanted for them. And I actually had a gal kind of call me out. She goes, well, what if, what if they're like, you know, a nuclear physicist and they're pumping gas at a gas station? 
Um, so apparently they, I said, that means they'd be living in Oregon. No, but I said, um, <laughs> but, 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 I, but my point was, I said, as long as they're in love with Jesus, maybe that's where God wants them. And so I don't really, I'm not really concerned about all these other things, but, but the reality is even that can be disappointed, right? When they, when they act in a certain way, that you're like, man, this is not a life that, that shows the, that they're in love with Jesus. So we're looking at the wide and the narrow sense here. And so Harold kind of says that the narrow sense, he would say, lays out this idea of the process of sanctification. Um, so again, that process, though, is driven by who? Okay. And that's where we have the, 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 the stark contrasts from, from belief systems and doctrines. Uh, many churches will tell you that the sanctification process is driven by you. And then we have us who believe, no, it's driven by the Holy Spirit. Now, what I would say is that the Holy Spirit is, is guiding us into this life of one who is set apart. The realization that I have set you apart for God. But our job then is what in that process? If we want to call it a process... The Holy Spirit's directing the process. What is our responsibility in that? Uh, maybe to receive it. Okay. To listen. Maybe that, that voice speaks to you. What are you reading? So we believe always that God initiates everything. Um, and I think even those who, who think the other side of sanctification that's dependent upon me still realize that they wouldn't even have a thought of sanctification and working towards that if something didn't, wasn't initiated upon them from God. And so we believe that, that God initiates and we respond. Now that response sometimes looks as work to certain people. Um, I'm not pointing at anybody. There's, someone, there's a blank sheet, seat there. So. Um, and, and it looks as, again, just a response that the Holy Spirit enables us to do. I think either way that we look at it, we have to realize that God is doing the work just as in conversion and just as in sanctification. God's the one doing the work. So we do, though, have a part to play. And that's where it gets weird, right? Because if I play my part well, then I'm better than everybody else, right? I mean, we would never say that, but that's how the flesh feels sometimes. Well, look at me. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I mean, we, we just are weird that way. Our flesh gets in the way. So... Let's look at, um, I think we went through the first four verses there last week. Um, I think we went through some, how do we come to believe in the gospel? Um, so let's, let's run through those again really quick, because that is important for us in this conversation. So, um, so the gospel, just our need for forgiveness provided in Jesus Christ alone. Second Thessalonians 2.14. When somebody gets there, please read it. Which is review from last week. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he called. Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, also for the Greek. Okay, so it's power unto salvation, right? 
So this is the gospel. We came to believe the gospel by power. There was a power that was there. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay. Again, last week we talked about it as a gift, right? It's the gift of God. Uh, so we came to believe by God giving us something. Okay. How about Revelation 22.17 And the spirit of the bride and the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let them take the water of life freely. Okay. So freely. It's been given to us freely. It's, we have access to it. So now we, we fast forward. That's our brief review of last week. But now we're going to talk about this narrow sense of sanctification. And that's where we get into the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So before we get jumped into scripture here um, is anyone willing to share moments in their life where they know the Holy Spirit has worked a work in them aside from we all know that we 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 called upon the name of the Lord and that was given to us by the Holy Spirit so we're gonna move past conversion and we're gonna move into regular day life Okay, so I'll give you a, a, a small example. Um, so there was a time in our lives when, when um, we as a couple and as parents were really realizing our desperate need for, for the work of, of God in our lives. And so there was a season in our lives where um, Laura put a little card on top of our TV that says, I will not put any vain thing before my eyes. And so we really started thinking about, okay, what are we watching? What are we taking in? What are we allowing our kids to take in? And so that was, to me, a, a work of the Holy Spirit that we responded to. Well, she responded to, and I didn't disagree, because I had learned something by then. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, but, um, but I think that, that there's, you know, or um, a simple thing of, um, you know, internet surfing, right? Let's talk about that. You know, there's sites that, that we shouldn't go on. And so just to hear that voice go, hey, don't click that or, or get off or something like that. Or, you know, we've watched movies before. We started within five or 10 minutes. You know, sometimes not even that long. We're like, yeah, no, this is not, not going to be beneficial at all. And so just simple things like that. I mean, I think sometimes when we think of the work of the Holy Spirit, we go, I mean, I could talk about I shouldn't be alive and all these other things, um, but um, but I think just the daily living of how we process things. Steve, you had your hand up. Yeah, I was going to say it's comical. There, uh, my first wife I was married to over eight years over assembly and whatnot, and well, they the people really loved her. I'm well known in the church, and so basically uh, she passed with cancer, and I remember uh, the Lord uh, Bonnie, my wife now, was good friends with her. She was a sister of Christ and whatnot, and so on. I remember the Lord coming over there and putting, or the Holy Spirit putting, and I'm laughing at God. I'm arguing with him. I remember holding up and this would never work. What are you talking about? And just laughing at him and saying, this would never work. She, when she left here, Marilyn told her to go and enjoy and be around her mom and dad. She's not coming back here. And then just one thing after another, the airplane tickets were on special and back in, back there uh, for $39, you know, all the way from Salt Lake to the thing. And, but finally, I wrote her a letter, and, and she she decided to date me and come back. And everything I was laughing at, it just it was just one thing after another. Uh, 
me and her mom and dad, they won't like me. And, I, and it, it just is, it was a flow, it was like a river, and I'm just being swooshed down this thing, and I'm just going, unbelievable that, that she'd even consider coming back to Pocatello. And so she comes on back, and uh, we've been married for 31 years, but I can still remember laughing and, and not mocking God, but just, just telling, this will never work. I remember where I was, and... So from now on, we will call Steve Sarah. <laughs> so she laughed at God, right? When he said, oh, you're, you're like, oh, yeah, right. But we serve a God of the impossible and things that don't make sense in our mind. Anything, any other thing that people have that they could share? There's so many. It's like, you know, but I, I still can relate to, God gives us a lot of things on earth that obviously we have a father and mother and we have children and, and we can relate to how he loves us because we love our children with this fierceness you know and he loves us with that fierceness and we we take a two-year-old and, and they have no idea what that road is that they could get run over out there but we we instill in them discipline and whatever um, to me the picture of the family is a picture of God's love for us and, mm -hmm. the, and the Holy Spirit and Jesus and then one day we hope our kids wake up and they go oh yeah you taught me that I am so glad you told me that or you did that if you hadn't done that I wouldn't be where I am today and uh, that's how I feel about the Holy Spirit is it constantly he's leading and pushing me kicking my butt or whatever to get where I need to be yeah. just daily yeah. um, and I can think of all kinds of times <laughs> So you, you bring up a good analogy, Carly. I mean, we look at, um, let's just think of you're traveling down a road and there's road signs, right? Now, the Holy Spirit's more than just a road sign because he's your companion, he's in the car, he's hanging out with you. But at the same time, there are these moments where there's, you know, hey, slow down, there's a turn ahead. Um, and many of us think that means speed up or, you know, I'm going to take the turn a little bit, you know, more inside or whatnot. But if we would be wise and listen... Um, then, our, then things would go well with us. And so to your point, I love what you said, that the Holy, there's so many, because the Holy Spirit's always, always there with us. Remember Jesus said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age, and I'm going to give you my very spirit. And so we won't be alone. And I think sometimes we believe that we're alone, but we're really not. Well, it's like me said, if we're always listening, he's always nudging us and not don't do that, don't go there. Wait a minute, stop, you know. Yeah, we gotta and, and get the, the ear candle out every once in a while. Listening, the listening is important. The better we get at listening, the sooner we grow up with a less reprimand. Which I am thankful that He reprimands us and tells sure. us that. Yeah. It's both narrow and wide. Obviously, we're saved from the get-go. The Holy Spirit does everything, but then we begin to see that revealed in our life if we're listening. Yeah. Pastor, why do women have better hearing? I know I need to clear out my spiritual earwax, but Bonnie hears a whole lot better than I do. Well, that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> we should have that one alone without the women here. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, we don't need their input. Maybe we just proved why right there. No. <laughs> Yeah. But that is a bit, you know, it's funny, just on a side note, that, uh, that is a big struggle in marriages, though, especially Christian marriages, is typically 
the, the, the female, for whatever reason, is more discerning and a little more sensitive to the spirit. Typically, I'm not, this is not a broad brush general uh, rule. Um, and that bugs the, the, the you know what out of the man. Because, you know, well, the Holy Spirit doesn't need to be my wife. But too often, she is <laughs> used by the Holy Spirit to, you know, you're in a fight. We should pray. Well, I know that's the right thing to do, but because you suggested it, I'm not going to do it, right? You, you know, so. Well, you uh, go back to the promise of God's word in Genesis, you know, that says that he will give the woman for the helpmate, you know, but then also within that same breath of, of blessing and um, and promise is that, you know, that we as women will tend to want that authority After that you fall. men have. Yeah. After the fall, yeah. And so I think in that, in those roles that God has created for us, we do need to be careful, both of us, you know, both male and female, um, in letting the Holy Spirit um, center us in Christ. And when that's happening, then we can be that benefit to one another. As we respond to the Holy Spirit in the process of sanctification. So let's look at 1 Peter 2 verse 9. What is the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer? We've given some examples. Now we're going to kind of look at scripture and, and verify. <laughs> Go ahead. Chris. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Okay, so what is that telling us about what the Holy Spirit is working into our lives? We, be, we need to keep coming out of darkness. Okay. If we're not, then we're not listening or letting the Holy Spirit teach us. Okay. His authority. Okay. There's, if, we're, if we're possessions, then... Okay, okay. So there's identity piece, right? Is that you? I don't think so, but it's Tina's car, so I have no clue. <laughs> Anybody else? I don't know. No, my car's not that fancy, so... It might be the neighbor. I don't know. I don't think it's ours. Yeah, I think it's the neighbor. It stopped. She got it, Bob. All right, well, some exercise. So it talks about, okay, so how many of you, when you first received Christ, or even now, <laughs> believe that you're a royal priesthood, part of a holy nation? Trying to believe it and stay humble is hard. Okay. I think that's so amazing that I would never say that. I love that. Sometimes we think, I do not think God made a wise choice. So, <laughs> yes. And, and just exactly what Harold just said, 
on the mucking it up and, and when you look at your own heart and you see your attitude actually towards it and what God is taking you from but as you see Christ as you start walking seeing the beauty and the grandeur of who Jesus is what he's capable of what he's redeemed you from what he's given you as you go through the scriptures you go to Revelation the angels are falling before him holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty and just the, the unbelievable uh, picture that is that is given uh, you start walking on the tradition of, of past saints laying down their lives for the for Christ and you're on a foundation that's firm and the gift of the Holy Spirit and you start understanding he's actually ministering to your heart it just seems to me that that, that it's almost a process as Harold would say that you're 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 here and you know what you are but you, you see what Christ is capable of by other brothers and sisters it's like what you what we and not to bring politics or anything oh, like that into it but but when you think of that that position that the president holds or the position that a, that a, you know priest holds a pastor holds that is and that is a position and an authority that God is given right and so I think that's how we look at it too in being chosen to be this royal priesthood to be holy it's it's something that's given to us it's that position that's given to us and work into us well and I'm, I'm glad you said work into us because that's the battle right um, between sinner and saint as, as, as so we don't want to we, we not we don't want to but we have a hard time believing it because we're faced with ourselves right you look in the mirror and it's well I can't speak for all of you but for me it's not getting better right you're like wow this is you know my mind thinks something and then my body says uh-uh you, you know no way and so you sit there and you look at that and you go wait but this is what god says about me this has been a gift that he has said i've chosen i've, I've called i've claimed you as my own i've called you a holy nation i've pulled you out and much like the call to Abr Abram, right? When he said, hey, go to a land that I will show you and I'm going to make a nation out of you. And he does this and that's the same thing that he's done with us. Now, now when he proclaimed that over Abram, even before he, he told his wife, Sarai, and they, and they started walking, that was true because God said it. And so I'm sure there were times in Abram and life where he is before he had kids, he's like, what is God talking about? Right? He said this, but I'm having a hard time believing it because I'm not seeing it. And so, you know, that's the thing. Because here's the challenge that we have with the enemy. And Carly, I'd like you to read that one more time. Because there's an implication of if we apprehend what God says about us, there's an implication of who we are and our task on earth. Go ahead. You are a chosen race. Interesting nowadays. <laughs> a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we're to be proclaimed. But if we don't believe that yeah. that's who we really are, we won't proclaim. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's the challenge I think we have as believers is the enemy of our souls wants to shut us up. Our flesh wants to tell us that we're no good. And, and so we find ourselves saying, well, how can I? How can I share how good God is when my life looks like this? 
Or how can I, I think of David when, when he was in sin and he says, my enemies look at me and they laugh and my sin is ever before me. The reality is not everybody knew about his sin, but that's how he felt because he felt so worthless. And then God restored him, obviously we see that. But I think that that's why it's important for us to gather together and to encourage one another. We are part of a royal priesthood. Well, and too often I think, it, here's this part that says his marvelous light. Too often we think it's our light. Yeah. Right, and so there's where we probably get caught up. How bright am I shining for Christ? Don't ask that. <laughs> he, br he brings us out of darkness into His marvelous right. light. So it's it's His. All right. How about Second Corinthians four six? So God, who says, "Let light shine out of the darkness," has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the Okay. So the work of the Holy Spirit in believer has a lot to do with this light, right? Again, you were in darkness, now you're in light. And now the Holy Spirit is, is in your hearts and giving you knowledge that that light would shine through you. Um, and that's even hard sometimes because we don't think we know enough, right? I mean, but really, what's the gospel? It's not a trick question. What is the gospel? The good news. Good, okay, it is good news, but what is the good news? Jesus died for our sins and rose again and defeated death. Died to pay the price for our sin and, we, and rose again. I mean, there, it's not, you can ask a four-year-old who has had any Bible instruction, you know, what, why, what, what did Jesus do for you? Well, they died on the cross for my sins, right? And that's the gospel. Our challenge is we try to confront people with something that sounds eloquent and, uh, and you know, arguably uh, sound. But the reality is we're told, right, that people, the, the, the people that are, think that they're wise in the world will find the gospel foolish. They will find it foolish. And even those who are in religions that are a little bit cultish or are complete cults, you know, that are works-based, works-oriented, if you say it's all about Jesus and his work and what he's done for you, a lot of times the response is, that's too, that I have a hard time believing it. it's too good to be true. It's too easy. And then in the Christian world, how many times have you said, really, is it that simple that Jesus did everything for me? Because we're very narcissistic, selfish people. Well, I must be, have to do something. Okay. Good luck with that. I mean, because many of us have tried to do something only to find our efforts are in vain and it's all about Jesus and, and the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Um, Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Okay, the work of the Holy Spirit then is helping you abound in hope. May the God fill you, uh, fill you with all joy, right? So, and again, there's, there's that word power again. So how many of us really, really, really believe that the work of the Holy Spirit is a work of power? Carly, thank you for... You're going to start teaching this class from now on. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we, we sometimes it takes us some time to get there, and we and in retrospect, we go, wow, 
look at the power that, that, that the Holy Spirit did. But a lot of times in the moment, maybe I'm speaking for myself, we, we don't recognize the power. I mean, there's power in, in getting us to hope in Jesus. That's a powerful thing. You find it possible that the, the older you get in Christ, the more you, it, it's, it's a learning experience. Uh, when I was a pup, the Holy Spirit could hit me in the head and well, what was that about? And now that I'm older, I see things a little differently. Now. I'll let you know when I get older. Huh? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> There's only two people younger than me in this room. So. Anyway, but but I, I, I mean, that's the idea, right? This idea of sanctification is that we would recognize the work of the Holy Spirit more and more in our lives, want to respond more freely, more easily to the work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we, we're, until we take our last breath, we're going to still carry around this body of death that, that cannot please God. And so we're still going to wrestle with sin. Um, but I, but we're, the hope is that... that that we wrestle um, with, with and understand our victory more as we grow that is given to us by Christ. How about Acts 8, verses 5 through 8? Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria to preach Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For the unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed, and the lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Okay. So what did the Holy Spirit do through Philip? <coughs> Spiritual surgery. <laughs> Preached the gospel. Yeah. Right? Freed the captives. Yeah. And the result was there was great joy. By the way, on a side note, that's my desire for this place and for everyone who, who it calls us their home and for everyone who walks in these doors that they would find great joy in this place. And we have to fight for that. I mean, really, because it, everything's against us to have joy. I mean, just, just, and I can't speak for all of you, but I think I can. How, how difficult what is it at times, and maybe even this morning, just to crawl out of bed because the way your body feels or, or whatever. Um, you know, if you're like me, if I stay in bed longer, then I'm going to hurt worse, so I have to get up. Uh, you know, so the days I think I can sleep in are a bad idea because I can't. But, but still, the reality is I'm in a frail body. And it, it, it's broken. And the older we get, the more we realize that everything's broken. But So we have to fight for our joy. Because we don't feel like it a lot of times. Um, but my prayer is that we would be a joyful people. And I think we certainly enjoy that. You know, we, I sense that every time we gather together. Because we have lots of fun together. And that's part of joy. Is enjoying and laughing and, and enjoying Jesus. So... Now, this might seem like a duh question, but why is it necessary to have the Holy Spirit? So let's look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance we acquire until we acquire possession of it. To the praise of his glory. Mm. So, in that scripture right there, which I, I encourage you all to become really familiar with and ask that the, the Holy Spirit would help you believe this, what is that saying about why is it necessary to have the Holy Spirit? 
the journey. Okay. Until we acquire possession okay. of it. So okay. we're never finished with learning and growing and and being sealed in that in the Holy Spirit, you know. First Peter two nine said we are a, a chosen people, a holy race, a people of his own possession. What does Ephesians chapter one explain to us about that with the Holy Spirit? Verses 13 and 14 that Harold just read. Okay. So we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, which is the guarantee. So this language would have been familiar to them. We don't use this very often anymore. Um, but let's say... Um, the, the king ordered some stuff in another country. He would send his people to go and, you know, make sure it got on the ship correctly. Or he wanted to send a letter to somebody and they wanted to know it was from the king. They would put wax on the envelope and then he would put his ring in it, showing that it was sealed by the king and they knew it was from the king. That's the language here that they would have understood that, wait a second, that seal means the impression of the king has sealed and been put upon me. And that means, so when packages and overseas, when they were coming back to the king, they, they would, he would send his ring. They made more than one ring. But anyway, they would send his ring with his, his dignitaries who were to do this, and the packages would be sealed like that. So when someone looked at him, they're like, oh, that's the king's. So we don't touch, that's the king's. So Ephesians is telling us here that we're the package, if you will, that's been sealed by the Holy Spirit, which shows that we are in the king's possession. He is ours. And do you think that everything was made sure that that package got back to that king and, and is rightful to? Yeah. <laughs> it was sure that it was going to get there. It was the guarantee. That seal was the guarantee that it was going to get to where it was supposed to get. And so it's great language for us to go, wait a second, I've been sealed like that. I'm a possession of the king, and there's a guarantee, that guarantees me that he's taking me and on this journey you know, to that I'm going to reach the destination, not because of my work, because of what the Lord has done, that the Holy Spirit is proving that to me day and day. John 3, 5 through 6. Again, why is it necessary to have the Holy Spirit? So again, necessary because we're sealed. We're guaranteed. That's a beautiful thing. John 3, 5 through 6. Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Okay. So why is it necessary to have the Holy Spirit? <laughs> uh, you know, Mike always says it just straight. We, you you got to be born of this. You got to be there, right? You can't get into heaven without the Spirit. And that's what you were saying over here, Bob, too, is you got to have it, right? Um, because we're all born of the flesh. I mean, I think we can walk outside these doors and walk to the store and drive down the road and realize there's a lot of flesh going on. And then, but those who are born of the Spirit, now that's different, right? So it's necessary for the Holy Spirit, for us to be born of the Spirit. 1 Peter 1, 23. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, 
Okay, so what does that mean? So we're born of the Spirit, right? We, we read in John chapter 3, and now we've been told we've been born of imperishable seed. What, what, what does that mean for us and, and the necessity of the Holy Spirit? Okay. Yeah? Jesus is the imperishable seed that takes over for us, or, you know? Is he the imperishable seed? Well, in Christ, for sure. I mean, he's not, he didn't perish, right? He defeated death out of the grave. And, and so we, in Christ, born of the Spirit, have been born of that imperishable, that eternal life seed. So that, you know, and the seed needs to grow. Back to our process of sanctification, that seed needs to grow. But again, you don't hear a seed or a tree trying hard. You don't hear them going, oh, man, i got to make fruit. Right? No, the gardener tends to them and does what's needed so that they will naturally produce fruit. Their job is to, if there were a job of a plant, is to sit there and receive it, right? Uh, um, and so it, we rely upon the gardener to do everything that it takes to make sure that that seed will sprout and grow. And that's the Holy Spirit's work. Romans 8, verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Okay. So why is it necessary to have the Holy Spirit? Because if you don't, you're not part of, you're not God's. Simple as that. Right? So this one was an easy one, so that's good. <laughs> How about 2 Corinthians 5, 17? If anyone is in Christ, Okay. If we continue with that, it says the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So again, the Holy Spirit's work in your life begins by creating and, and birthing something in the Spirit. New creation in Christ. Back to 1 Peter 2. That new creation is a holy priesthood, a chosen race, a people of his own possession. Ones who were in darkness, but now in light. Ones who did not receive mercy, but now have received mercy. Right? In fact, I love it. it says, once you were not a people, <laughs> but now you are a people. So, I mean, there, that even, to me, is more destitute. You weren't even a people <laughs> before, but now you are. Uh, so, lastly, um, how can we help, let's do the last question. How can we help one another respond to the work of the Holy Spirit? think also um, responding in the spirit yourself right if, if we're saying okay Lord how am I responding to you um, how, how am I following you today that hopefully will lead you to consider other people and how I can build them up uh, because we're 
well, you know, I think it's a general, we, we like to think about ourselves way more than anybody else. Um, and, you know, even sometimes the acts that we do that, that seem like they're for somebody else are often driven by self, um, I can think of amplification, that's the wrong term, glorification, right? I love this, I do this because people think that I'm good. Or I feel better. I mean, you know, so I'll do things for my wife because I want her to be happy. Well, why do I want her to be happy? Because it makes my life better. So I want to get to the point to where I'm like, wait a second, you, you know, and vice versa. I want to do it out of, no, I just love my wife and I want to do it not because I know I'm going to get something out of it, right? Other than I'm just responding to the spirit and growing in that way. Uh, next week, we're going to dive into a few weeks of the Lord's Prayer. And um, we want to make sure we continue wrapping this up. We don't go into everything in here, but we were getting a pretty good idea of what's in here. Um, and the idea of the Lord's Prayer, which, by the way, if you know the Lord's Prayer, you know how to pray. Um, and there's some valuable tools in the Lord's Prayer that help us understand how God has given us everything that we need to rightly relate to Him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for your love and your goodness. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. We are so amazed. Help us to be more aware of the work of you in our lives and that we would respond and pray for one another to respond in ways that just uh, build um, your body up, build one another up, build your kingdom, and, and help others, Lord, see how great it is to be loved by you. Uh, bless our time together um, as we continue today to fellowship you um, and, and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.